0: Hey, family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. God in prayer. First Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the good news translation of the Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. It's on the screen. It says one day Jonathan said to the young man who carried his weapons, let's go across to the Philistine camp. But Jonathan did not tell his father Saul, who was camping under a pomegranate tree in Migran, not far from Gibeah. And he had about 600 men with him. The priest carrying the ephod was Ahijah, the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, who was the son of Phinehas and grandson of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh. The men did not know that Jonathan had left. In Michmash Pass, which Jonathan had to go through to get over to the Philistine camp, there were two large, jagged rocks, one on each side of the pass. One was called Bozez and the other Sinai. One was on the north side of the pass facing Michmash, and the other was on the south side facing Geba. And Jonathan said to the young man, let's cross over to the camp of those heathen Philistines. Maybe the Lord will help us. If he does, nothing can keep him from giving us the victory, no matter how few of us there are. And the young man answered, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. All right, Jonathan said, we will go across and let the Philistines see us. If they wait for, if they tell us to wait for them to come to us, then we will stay where we are. But if they tell us to go to them, then we will, because that will be the sign that the Lord has given us victory over them. So they let the Philistines see them, and the Philistines said, Look, some Hebrews are coming out of, out of the holes they have been hiding in. And they called out to Jonathan and the young man, Come up here, we have something to tell you. And Jonathan said to the young man, follow me for the Lord has given Israel victory over them. And so Jonathan climbed up out of the pass on his hands and knees and the young man followed him. And Jonathan attacked the Philistines and knocked them down and the young man killed them. And in that first slaughter, Jonathan and the young man killed about 20 men in an area of about half an acre. All the Philistines and the countryside were terrified. The raiders and the soldiers in the camp trembled with fear. The earth shook, and there was a great panic. I want to draw your attention to verse 7 for the purpose of preaching. And the young man answered, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. Amen. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need a holy hookup. Amen. Find another neighbor and say, are you the one or should I look for another? Amen. Amen. You be seated. That's what we're going to talk about. I need a holy hookup. Amen. I need a holy, holy hookup. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus name. Amen. I need a holy, a holy hookup. I absolutely hate being late. Hate being late, can't stand it. It's one of my most pronounced pet peeves and points of irritation. I can't stand being late. As a matter of fact, for a long time, I would set ahead my watches and the clocks in my house because I wanted to make sure that I left early enough to counteract any issues that might arise so that I wouldn't miss appointments that I had set. And a few years ago, I was driving a different vehicle, much older than the one I'm driving now, but it was a blessing. It had been reliable, it had taken us all over the breadth and width of Jacksonville, even down to Orlando a couple of times. It was a good vehicle and we hadn't had much problems with it. And one morning I had a meeting to go to and I had gotten dressed for the meeting and I packed my briefcase, filled my water cup up because it was a hot summer day in Jacksonville. And I went down to my car, Kristen, happy because I knew I had enough time to get to my meeting. There was only one problem, when I got in the car I put my key in the ignition, turned the key, and nothing happened. There was no noise. There wasn't a click. Nothing happened. I tried again, and the car wouldn't start. No matter what I did, I couldn't get the car running. I was frustrated because I knew that I was going to miss my meeting. So I called the person I was meeting with and told them that I had to reschedule because of the car trouble I was having And I called some mechanics the next day to see if they could come by and possibly tell me what was wrong with the car, because this had never happened to this vehicle before. I, interestingly enough, uh, had just replaced the starter when we got the car, had just bought a battery earlier that month, so I knew that it wasn't that. All I knew is that when I put the key in the ignition, the car wouldn't start. Interestingly enough, While I was on the phone calling mechanics, somebody was at my house to replace my garbage disposal, and the man heard me calling different mechanics, seeing if they could come and look at my car, and so he asked me what's wrong with the car. I said, I don't know what's wrong with the car. All I know is that when I get in the car and I try to start it, it won't start. He said, well, uh, Rev, before you spend all that money, do you mind if I go down and look at the car? And I said, "Uh, yeah, man, sure. Go ahead and look at the car. I don't mind. And so I went down to the car. I popped the hood. He goes under the hood. Then after he looks under the hood, I'm sitting in the driver's seat of the car with the key in the ignition. He grabs a wrench out of his bag, goes back under the hood, and says, try it now. So I turn the key. And this time, the car acts like it wants to to turn over. But it doesn't start. He picks the wrench back up, goes back under the hood, Pam, and then he says, all right, Rev, try it now. And so I turn the key, and the car turns over. And when I asked him what happened, he said something to me that blew my mind. He said, your car is fine. Your battery is good. The problem was with your cables. You had a bad connection. And I told myself, when he told me that I was going to find a way to preach that, Because the reality of life is, I had replaced the starter, I had bought a new battery, the car was full of gas, but I had missed my appointment. Not because the car was in bad shape, but because I had a bad connection. And beloved, whether we know it or not, that is the condition of many of our lives. We have places that God wants us to go, we have purpose that God wants us to pursue, dreams that God wants us to chase. But we can't get there not our, because our cars, not our cars, but our lives have been crippled by a bad connection. We are stuck, unable to get to the place that God wants us to be because we have attached ourselves improperly. And I know that no one wants to admit it, but the truth is, deep down on the inside, we know that we are bigger than the circle that we find ourselves in. We dream bigger. We believe God for bigger things. We pray bigger prayers and we have bigger purpose, but we find ourselves stuck seemingly about to miss our date with destiny because even though we have purpose, even though we have plans, even though we have goals, we have been crippled because we have bad connections. And I know that this notion flies in the face of this me, myself, and I individualistic version of Christianity that we've created in the 21st century. This notion that all we need is us and we'll be good, but the reality is God uses relationships to, pu- to position us for purpose. When God gets ready to elevate you, to empower you, to educate you, or enhance you, he does it by sending you a relationship that is designed to get you to the next level. This is why relationships are so important, beloved. And that's why I'm going to take the time to teach on it at least once every year, because relationships are the vehicles that God uses to get us to the place of purpose. This means that no matter how great your purpose is, you can't get there by yourself. You need God. That's true. But you also need people who God has assigned to your life to get you to the place God has destined for you to be. And we know this to be true because no matter how much of a loner we claim to be, no matter how much of an introvert we are, deep on the inside, even if it's just one real one, all of us desire to have a relationship that will enhance our lives. And the trick of the enemy is to stop us from getting to the place of purpose by getting us caught up in babysitting the wrong connections, the wrong associates, the wrong business partners, the wrong relationships, and yes, the wrong friends. But if we're going to get the victory in our lives, then we have to decide that what is down on the inside of us, that vision, that plan, that dream, that purpose is too important for us to settle for any kind of friend. But this is the season of our lives that we need a holy hookup. And it doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how great your purpose is. You need a divine connection that will deploy you into destiny. But the problem is most of us don't have the right connection, not because God doesn't Send them, but because we miss holy hookups when they are presented to us. And although we miss them for several reasons, uh for the sake of time, I'm going to highlight three of them if you're taking notes. Number one, we miss holy hookups because we ask God for comrades when we only have the maturity to handle cosigners. God help me. I, I said we, we ask God for comrades when we really only have the maturity to handle co-signers. The truth is, many of us pray for God to send us friends, but we really don't want friends. We want people who are going to co-sign. Uh, we want people who are going to give us affirmation but will not, but who won't hold us accountable when we're engaged in a behavior or locked in a cycle that they know is not the will of God for our lives. And we may never admit that this is how we feel out loud but we distance ourselves from people as soon as they say something negative about a choice we're making and then we begin to point out flaws in them as if they can't say anything to us because we know stuff about them but that's a sign that you're not mature enough for real friendship because truth friendship means that you are as willing to receive constructive criticism from me as you are willing to receive praise from me and if you can kick it with a person go out to eat with a person go to the mall with a person let a person like your statuses on Facebook and pat you on the back every time you do right but they don't have the ability to check you when you get wrong then you're not mature enough to handle real friendship because real friends are not just in your life hear me to gas you up but real friends are in your life to grow you Up, God, help me. Let me say that one more time for the slow people. Real friends are not just in your life to gas you up. Real friends are in your life to help you grow up. And if you're going to succeed in this next season of your life, then you have to be willing to deal with hurt feelings if the hurt feelings will help you grow. God, help me. Is there anybody here who can say, I don't need friends that will spare my feelings, but if you got to hurt me with the truth, I'm willing to deal with it because while the truth may hurt, it doesn't hurt worse than staying the same. And I can't afford to live like this anymore God help me God send me some friends that are gonna tell me the truth about me That are gonna tell me when I'm trifling and when I'm raggedy and when I'm acting crazy And when I'm not serving God the way that I should God send me some people that will look me in the face and say I love you, but you tripping right now. No you weren't mean. You weren't you were being mean to your spouse You were being mean to your kids you you you're trifling You party too much you eat out too much You don't go to the gym like you should you don't take care of your body and you wonder why you're always sick I need some people that'll hurt my feelings but will help me grow yeah yeah we miss divine connections because we ask God for comrades when really we're only mature enough to handle co-signers people who will affirm our foolishness and never correct us but secondly we miss divine connections I got to move because we'd rather suffer through one-sided friendships than wait alone for the right connection let me run that back because I don't think you heard me I said we miss divine connections Because we would rather suffer through one-sided friendships than wait alone for the right connection. Some of us are stuck suffering right now, letting people suck us dry because we're afraid of being alone. We entertain people who aren't on our level spiritually and we hang out with people that we don't even like because we don't want to have to deal with the terrifying prospect of having to be alone while we wait on God to send us the right kind of friends. And although nobody likes to be alone, you have to value the anointing that is on you and the gift that is in you so much that you decide that you aren't going to share it with people who take from you but can't add to you. God help me. You're not going to share what's inside of you with people who are going to drain you dry because the trick of the enemy is that he will have you surrounded by people going out all the time always posting on facebook texting and talking to people on the phone and still feel alone god help me i don't know who i'm preaching to but is there anybody that will testify and say i've had friends i've gone out i've gone on trips been with people and still felt all by myself was broke but was alone because i was out partying at the club tripping but i still felt lonely but god says this is the sea where you got to decide that you value yourself enough to say I would rather be alone by myself waiting on God than be alone surrounded by people this is the year where you got to declare that it's lonely but at least I don't have leeches God help me I'm waiting on God even if that means I got to wait all by myself God said this is the season where you got to be okay with being by yourself Where you got to be okay with nobody ringing your phone and with pressing ignore on people who do call you because they don't have anything constructive to add to your life this is the season where you got to stop just busying yourself because you don't want to have to look in the mirror and deal with the inconsistencies that are in your soul this is the season where you got to stop scrolling on facebook and start opening your bible because not only do you read the bible but you got to take the time to let the bible read you and god says i'm clearing people out of your space not because you're not likable but because i'm trying to protect what's on the inside of you some of you don't even have the spiritual awareness to understand that you're not by yourself because don't nobody like you you could call somebody right now and they come and see about you if you wanted them to but the reason why god has you isolated is because he's trying to protect the gift Amen. that's on the inside of you i got to move so so we miss divine connections because we'd rather suffer through one-sided friendships than wait alone for the right connection uh, but then thirdly uh we miss divine uh connections we miss holy hookups Because we have made ourselves emotionally sick by seeking nourishment from a friendship that we've kept past its expiration date. Uh, I I, I said, because y'all don't hear me, I I, I said we made ourselves sick Uh by trying to get nourishment from a friendship that we've kept past the expiration date. Okay, hear me good. Anything that you keep past this expiration date is going to spoil. And that's whether it's milk, whether it's meat, whether it's eggs, or even if it's a person. And we got to be mature enough to understand that although sometimes God is kind enough to send us lifelong friends, most often... Our friendships are for seasons and for reasons. God help me. Either they are sent to be a blessing to us while we are in a specific season of life. Or they come to teach us a specific lesson about ourselves. Here is the problem. Once the season is over and once the lesson has been learned, there is no longer any room for them in our lives. And many of us are trying to navigate tight spaces Because we're trying to squeeze a friend into our space that used to be good to us, but what we're doing is hurting ourselves because we don't want to admit that we've grown and we've changed and what used to feed us when we were immature will turn our stomachs now because we're not where we used to be. God help me. Oh God. See, uh, there was a time in my children's development where Similac and Infamil would nourish them. But if I tried to give that to them now, it would turn them stomach because they're at a place in their development where what used to help them is no longer healthy for them anymore god help me oh god and we've got to be able to tell those friends that their season is up in our lives and it's not because we're better than them it's not that they are less than us but they had an opportunity to grow and they didn't take advantage of it so now what used to help us has become dead weight and if you're going to find a holy hookup in this season then you have to be able to look at those old connections and tell them I appreciate what you did but I can't get full today looking at pictures of what I ate yesterday God help me oh God anybody ever been hungry God help me You, I mean you really wanted something to eat have you ever looked at people's food pictures on Instagram and been able to get full God help me Uh, it don't matter how pretty the picture was it doesn't matter how vibrant the the filter was on the photo you can't get full looking at pictures of what somebody else ate yesterday you can't even get full looking at the pictures of what you had for dinner last night. I don't care how good it used to be. It cannot fulfill me anymore. And you got to learn how to tell people I love you, but I got to let this go because I need to make room for a holy hookup. Oh, God, yeah, I got to make room for a holy hookup. See, some of us are unable to receive new things because God won't send us new things while the old thing is still sitting in the new thing space. God, help me. Oh, God, you are praying for a man. You ain't got room for a man because you won't let your ex-boyfriend go. God, help me. Oh, you're praying for a new job. You don't have room for a new job because you're still tethered to the old one. Oh, and you talking about my benefits. What's going to happen to my seniority? I I don't want to start over in a new cup the devil is a liar god said if you want me to send something new you got to be willing to let go of the old thing god help me god says stop spoiling yourself by eating stuff that's past its expiration date that church that you used to love is past its expiration date those people uh, at, at the church that you used to kick it with they were your friends, uh, they used to hang out with you, or uh, 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 you know hang out with you, they'd go to church with you uh, and they'd kick it, with the, kick it at the club with you, but you're not a club person anymore, you, you've you grown, got your, your money too tight, but you'd be wasting it on cover charges and at happy hour, now, now you've grown, you got kids and you got responsibilities and you got stuff that you're trying to do, moves you're trying to make, you're trying to fix your credit, you're trying to uh, pay off student loan debt, you're trying to uh, buy your first home, and, and you got people in your life that are still in that season of life where they say I ain't got no worries because I'm living with my mama and I can just act crazy at my job I can come to work late if I want to I ain't got to show up and do what I got to do Uh, but God said those ain't the kind of people you need in your space in this season you need people who understand that there was anointing on your life that there was a purpose that God has for you that he's calling you up higher and if you can't go up with me I got to leave you on the ground Uh, how do you know how do you know uh, that it's past uh, its expiration date? Uh, because they keep reminding you they have no present common ground. The only common ground that they have with you is who you used to be and what you used to do and what y'all used to enjoy together. Yeah, yeah. They they can't talk to you about where you are now, what God is doing in your life now. All they can talk about is who you used to be and the problem is uh, uh, necrophilia anybody ever heard of necrophilia Necro, dead philia, love necrophilia is when a person is perverted enough to where they're in love with dead bodies and that sounds perverted to us right that sounds nasty to us but the truth is you have necrophilia friends in your life because the bible says I have been crucified with Christ it is not I who live but Christ that lives in me the person that you love Love is dead. I'm a new creature but you still reminded me of the person I used to be and how I used to act and where we used to go. That person is dead. They don't live here anymore and the reason I know that our relationship is expired is because you can't love who God has made me now. You keep trying to resurrect the person that I used to be. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They try to resurrect the person that you used to be. So when you're trying to control your temper, they're reminding you about how you didn't used to let nothing slide and how you used to cuss everybody out. When, when you're trying to turn the other cheek and forgive your enemies, they're reminding you, oh girl, remember how you used to hold a grudge? Man, remember when you used to beat dudes up for less than that? They're reminding you of the person that you used to be. But God says that if you have a real friend, a real friend is going to call you to forgive Get those things which are behind and strain for those things which are ahead and press for the prize of the mark of the high calling of Christ, which is in Jesus. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm not keeping it past the expiration date anymore? Yeah. The reality of our lives, beloved, is that God does not want us to have mundane and malnourished friendships, but God wants us to have divine I'm almost out of time. God wants us to have holy hookups that push us into the place of purpose God wants us to wants to send us friends and sisters and brothers who will come alongside us to make sure that we get the victory in our lives and that's why I love this text because this text allows us to see a picture of what a holy hookup looks like the Bible lets us know that Saul the first king of Israel has been waging war by God's command against the uh, the, against the army of the Philistines and while he's waging this war Because of his arrogance and pride, Saul disobeyed God and instead of waiting on God's prophet Samuel to offer the sacrifice before the battle with the Philistines the Bible says that Saul decided that the preacher was taking too long so he decided that he was going to offer the sacrifice himself but there was a problem, God said only the priest could offer the sacrifice and the Bible says that this angered the Lord so Samuel rebuked King Saul check this out, not in private but in front of his army And told him that because of his disobedience to God God was going to take the kingdom from him and give it to a man after his own heart the Bible said that after this declaration Samuel left and went home but what's interesting is that the army must have decided that if God wasn't with Saul they didn't want to be with Saul either because the Bible says that when Saul looked around and counted his troops what started as an army of 3,000 men had depleted down to only 600 soldiers and this is where we're interested to the principal character of this particular passage of scripture, Saul's oldest son, Jonathan. The Bible says that while Saul is pouting under a pomegranate tree because of the rebuke he just received, and while the 600 men are resting in the capital city trying to figure out what their next move is going to be, Jonathan decides to obey God and go fight the enemies of Israel. But here is the beautiful part of the story, beloved. The Bible says that when Jonathan gets up and goes to the enemy's camp, he does not go go by himself but he has a holy hookup his armor bearer is with him and as we look at this story i believe that god is showing us how to identify holy hookups in our own lives as a matter of fact i believe that in the first verses of the text we are able to see a picture of the kind of friends god sends does anybody want to know what kind of friend god sends well number one the text tells us that god sends friends who are not afraid to walk away from the crowd To help you obey God God help me God sends friends that are not afraid to walk away from the crowd to help you obey God Check this out the Bible says that because of the rebuke Saul was pounding and the army was arresting But Jonathan refused to rest with the army because God had given them a mission And because Jonathan's armor bearer was committed to him When Jonathan walked away from the army to obey God The armor bearer didn't stay with the crowd But he followed Jonathan even though that meant leaving the safety of the army Army. And when God sends you friends beloved, he doesn't just send you friends that only walk with you while you're a part of the in crowd but he sends you friends that will walk with you while you obey God even when obeying God means you have to leave the crowd behind. God sends you friends that will stand in agreement with you that while everybody seems to be content sitting here doing the same old thing and getting the same old thing, we're going to refuse to be common and complacent but we're going to get up and bust a move and walk into destiny. God is not sending you people who want to be popular he's sending you people who want to be purpose and because they want to be purpose they're willing to walk away from the crowd even if it's just the two of you god help me I uh, did this this blessed me i was thinking about this god brought this uh to my remembrance y'all know i got a daughter right uh, i got a six-year-old daughter named tamia and when she was little when she was a little baby matter of fact around the time we first got to jacksonville me and tamia used to sing a song we used to sing a song uh matter of fact it was before her brother got here uh we used to sing a song we say just the two of us y'all know that we can make it if we try, just the two of us building castles in the sky. Just the two of us, you and I, me and Tamia, would sing that all the time. And we sang it even after her brother got here. And when her brother got here, because she loved her brother, she said, "Daddy, what about Juju?" Uh, so we'd say, "Just the three of us." And then when Juju got big enough to talk, he said, "Daddy, what about mommy?" So we started singing, "Just the four of us." But it started with just the two of us. And some of y'all need friends like Tamia. God help me, people who are willing to walk into purpose with you, even if it's just the two of you, even if no crowd goes with you even if you don't have the affirmation of everybody god is sending you people god let me watch my voice god is sending you people that are going to help you even when you don't have a crowd on your side god sends friends that will walk away from the crowd to help you obey god but then god sends friends who will honor their covenant to remain by your side even when the path that you're on makes it dangerous to be by your side Uh, God will send you friends who will honor their covenant to remain by your side Even when the path you're taking makes it dangerous to be by your side Check this out now Jonathan decides to go into the enemy's camp His armor bearer decides to go with him Verse 4 says something interesting It tells us that the path to the enemy took Jonathan through a canyon Enclosed by two sharp rocky cliffs As a matter of fact, the, the, the cliffs were so notorious and so dangerous That the people gave them names So Jonathan was not only going on a dangerous mission, but he was taking a dangerous road to get there. But in spite of the danger of the road, the Bible says that his armor bearer went with him anyway. God, help me. This blesses me because the reality is anyone can walk with you when it's convenient. God, help me. When there's no trouble, when there's no danger. But it takes a real one to walk with you when it's no longer easy to walk with you. God, help me. And this is the difference between covenant friends and convenience friends. Convenience friends are only with you when everything is all good and there are no problems and there are no misunderstandings in the relationship and you ain't never snapped at them and you always text them back right away but as soon as there is trouble a misunderstanding some adversity or they call you and because you're tired of dealing with people uh, you don't answer the phone they don't want to be your friend anymore but when God sends friends they are not convenience friends they are covenant friends friends who say look I don't know what's going on with you you acting real stupid right now I know you got a lot going on and it seems like you're trying to run me off but I'm not here because it's convenient I'm here because I'm on assignment. I don't care how crazy this thing gets. I'm not leaving because we are in covenant. God help me. Let me help somebody understand covenant. Covenant is not just for married people. Covenant is for kingdom people. And I believe that this is the season of life where God is freeing you from feeble friendships that only exist when there is no trouble. But he's sending you friendships that can weather the storms of life. Adversity and attitude and still be standing after the storm. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor this is a season of covenant God help me don't just stand by me God help me when it's easy don't just stand by me when I'm acting right don't just stand by me when I'm acceptable and I got everything together and I I can speak in all the tongues and I know all the words to the worship songs and I come to church with my Sunday's best on. love me when it looks crazy love me when people are misunderstanding me love me when I decide that I'm not coming to church today because the burden of life has gotten too heavy and I've lost my mind temporarily and I need somebody to say, girl, get yourself up and get yourself to church. Man, get up from where you are and get to worship on time. You need people in your life that are not convenient friends, but they're covenant friends. I know y'all don't like this and I know we sanctified and, and Pentecostal, but can I call a witness that's not from the biblical text? Oh God, I got to call New Edition. I got to call Johnny Gill because New Edition said, oh God, sunny days. God, help me. Everybody loves them, but tell me, baby, can you? I knew I had a witness in the building. God says you need some friends that can stand the rain with you. Uh, God sends friends that will honor their covenant to remain by your side. Even when the path makes it dangerous for them to be by your side. But then thirdly, God sends friends who have the faith to believe God with you. Even when the odds are against you. Oh God. Verse 6, Jonathan says to the young man, let's cross over to the camp of those heathen Philistines. Maybe the Lord will help us. And if he does, nothing can keep him from giving us the victory no matter how few of us there are. The old King James says, it is nothing for God to save by many or by few, God help me. Uh, And the armor bearer says something that blows my mind. He tells him in verse 7, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. God help me. You missed it. Uh, He he says look uh, we're outnumbered. There are more of them than there are of us but I feel like if we go down there to fight them maybe God is going to help us and Pam if God helps us then can't nobody hurt us. God help me and the young man says whatever you want to do I'm with you God help me oh God did now, not I got to try to contain myself because this is the only time the armor bearer speaks in the story and when he speaks he tells Jonathan whatever you want to do I'm with you and this blesses me because this wasn't just a blind statement of obedience from a servant to a master but as an armor bearer it was his job to protect Jonathan from danger even if it was danger that Jonathan was about to bring upon himself but what this shows us is that the armor bearer was spiritual enough to recognize that Jonathan was not placing the hope of victory in the two of them but rather Jonathan was trusting in God so when the armor bearer tells Jonathan I'm with you what he's really saying is I'm okay with trusting you because you've made it clear that you are trusting in the Lord God help me and this is the season of my life where I don't need people who are looking at the odds that are against us but I need somebody that. That's bold enough to say if you're trusting in God then I'm going to trust in God too. You need people around you who can look at how much it costs can look at how unqualified you are they can see how broken the home was that you grew up in, how jacked up your marriage is and still declare I know that the odds are against you but I believe God and is there anybody here whose prayer is God I feel like preaching? Lord I don't need friends with a lot of money I don't need friends who are really educated but God send me some friends who believe and trust in you because money can run out and education fails but if we have faith we can make it through anything is there anybody here who can say I may not have a lot but I believe God I may not have a lot but I trust him I may not have a lot but I need some friends who can say if you're walking with God then I'm going to walk with you I don't care what's against us but if God be for us Lord I feel it here who can be against us can't nobody stop us if the Lord is on our side. Oh God, I got to quit. So then, so then, Jonathan is going into the enemy's camp. He's a prince. He's got authority. People know his name. He's got a famous father, but he can't get the victory by himself. He needs somebody. God help me. He needs a holy hookup. And no matter how gifted you are, no matter how great your purpose is, you need the right kind of friends to make sure that you get where God wants you to be. You need a divine connection. You need a holy hookup. And the devil's desire is that you will get stuck, unable to get to the place of purpose because you've got the wrong connection. So the question is, how do I know when I have a holy hookup? I got three and I'm through it. Three and I'm through it. All right. Number one uh, a holy hookup will refuse to let their support of you remain private when your enemy's attack against you is public. God help me. Uh, a, A holy hookup will refuse. To let their support of you remain private. When your enemy's attack against you is public. The Bible says. That Jonathan and his armor bearer were undercover. So that they could not be seen. But Jonathan's plan. Required him to expose himself to the enemy. The Bible says that when Jonathan decided. To let the enemy see him. He wasn't alone. But the Bible says. That the armor bearer. Let them see him too. Okay. The armor bearer could have stayed hidden and waited for a signal from Jonathan. But instead he decides that when Jonathan goes up against the enemy, I'm not going hide in a safe place and say, go ahead, John, John, you know I got your back. Uh, But but instead, I'm going to make it clear whose team I'm on. God help me. And and when you have a holy hookup, they have enough sense to know that you can't afford to have private friends when you're dealing with public enemies. God help me. A a holy hookup will put their dignity and their reputation on the line because they're willing to let people know that this is my friend. And if you show up to fight them, you're going to have to fight me too. God help me. Is there anybody here who tired of private supporters uh, people who will look and not like because they don't want people to know that they got your back Uh, people who will call you and talk to you about what you posted instead of commenting on what you posted and say it's good then they try to steal it and act like they came up with it themselves no this is not a season of private supporters this is a season where God is sending you people who are going to let everybody know I'm on their team I got their back I'm in covenant with them and I'm not ashamed yeah I know what was said about them I know what they did I know what, what they've been accused of but this is a holy hookup. I'm not here because it's convenient for me. I'm here because I'm in covenant with them and I've got to have they back in public because you can't fight public enemies with private supporters. God help me. You need people who are going to show up and ain't afraid to be seen with you. As a matter of fact, let me help somebody. I know Valentine's Day just passed but I want to give you some ammunition for next year. If they've been private lovers all year, don't let them try to take you public on Valentine's Day. The devil is a liar God help me if they can't claim you then they can't celebrate you if they can't claim you all year long then they can't have you on February 14th God help me look at them and say where you been all year I've been here all year I've been wanting love and flowers all year long but now all of a sudden you want to give me something the devil is a liar I can't have private lovers when I've got public enemies Uh, He says, uh, uh, a holy hookup will refuse to let their support of you remain private Uh when your enemies attack against you is public. But then secondly, I only got two more. A holy hookup isn't afraid to follow me into the fight, even if I have to go into battle on my knees. Mm. I'm going to try not to shout. Uh, A holy hookup. Isn't afraid to follow me into the fight, even if I have to go into battle on my knees. Verse 13 says something interesting. It says that when they decided to go down and fight, Jonathan went down into battle on his hands and knees. But Jonathan didn't get down by himself. The Bible says that the young man followed him. It's interesting in the original language of the text because it is implied that when the young man followed Jonathan, he followed not just Jonathan's path, but he copied Jonathan's posture, meaning that he too got down on his hands and knees. God help me. And if you're going to succeed in this season, you need friends who are willing not just to go where you go, But you need friends who are willing to go how you go. God help me. Let me say that again. Uh, You don't just need people who are willing to go where you go. Because sometimes when you got purpose and you got destiny, where you're going is attractive. But when you've been called by God, sometimes how you go is not attractive as where you go. But you need people in your life who aren't afraid, God help me, to get down on their knees. As a matter of fact, you don't need friends who are prideful enough to where they're trying to stand up when God is calling you to get down. And now it is interesting because there are two distinct things that happen when the people of God get on their knees. Can I share them with you? Number one, the knees are a position of prayer. God help me. Somebody say prayer. Yeah, the knees are a position of prayer and there are certain battles that we face in life where the odds are stacked heavily against us and we need God to intervene on our behalf and we can't afford to be connected to people who are too proud to fall on their knees and ask God to show up. So that means that I can't just evaluate friends by our chemistry, by our common ground, by our social connectivity, but I've got to evaluate friends now by their prayer life. God help me. Oh Lord, I I got to know how you pray before I can bring you into my circle because there are some battles that I've got to fight that can't be fought with fists. That can't be fought with bricks and with uh, uh, wine bottles. They got to be fought on their knees. God, help me. Tell somebody I need to know. Can you go to battle on your knees? Yeah. But not only that. Not only are the knees a posture of prayer, but the knees are a place of worship. Somebody say worship. Yeah, there are some battles that I have to fight through prayer. And then there are some battles that I have to win in worship, even in situations when worship doesn't make sense. And I need friends around me that don't look at me crazy when I get bad news and fall to my knees and lift my hands and say, God, I'm hurting, but I trust you. God, help me. I need some friends that will grab my hand and hit the floor with me because they understand that when the enemy is fighting me, worship is also warfare. And they're not going to let me go into battle by myself. God, help me. That's why I'm nervous for some of y'all who say y'all want to go higher in God, but then I watch you in praise and worship. God, help me. Oh, God, and I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a spectator, uh, but I can tell what your spiritual warfare is like by how you behave in worship because if Mike Holloway has to pull teeth to get you to lift your hands and if the worship team has to get you uh, uh, get you to stand by singing your favorite song and uh, they got to sing for 30 minutes and you don't even show up to church until 9.30 because you don't like all that singing that they do. That lets me know that spiritually you're in trouble uh, because God says that there are some battles that you can only fight through worship. Let me help your Christian Christian theology some of y'all come to church because you think you're here to get a word but that shows that you are a consumer and not a producer because the word is what God gives to you worship is the only thing you can give to God God help me oh oh let me give you some good creative theology let me help you your money you don't even give to God your money you return to God because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof you when you give an offering you are not giving to God something that belongs to you You are returning to God something that he loans you that belongs to him. But worship, God have mercy, is the only thing that you own that you can give to God as a gift. Your praise is the only thing, oh God, that you can give to God. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says, what shall I render unto God for all of his benefits? I will give him praise. God help me. Is there anybody here who can say it's all I got? My hallelujah belongs to you not because it's what I want to give. It's all I have. Huh? Everything else I got you gave to me. But the hallelujah is something that belongs specifically to me that I can lift up in the time of trouble and give you something that you didn't have. God help me. Your worship is the only thing that God asks you for that he can create for himself. God help me. Your worship is the only thing that God asks you for that he can't speak into existence. God breathed into you the breath of a And he asks you to return that breath to him, not in complaining, not in crying, but in worship and praise to him. That's why I show up on time. That's why I got to be here at 904 because I don't want to just get a word, but I want to give God what he wants from me. Oh God I know y'all don't like this I know y'all don't like this You you want to stay at home and go to Bedside Baptist next week Because you don't want to get up early in the morning And come to church Oh but the Bible says early in the morning Will I seek you I got to seek you early in the morning Because the enemy don't stop coming after me The devil is coming after me 24 hours a day So I can't wait until 9.30 God I feel it here To come and give you the praise I've got to get up early and give you praise And glory Oh, God, look at somebody and say, I want to know, can you worship? God, help me. Oh, look at him and tell him, I know you think you can fight. I know you think you got hands, but that don't help me in the spirit. I want to know, can you go to battle on your knees? When it's time to worship God, can you give him glory? Oh, Lord, I got to quit. Oh, so a holy hookup will refuse to let their support of you remain private. When your enemies attack against you is public. A holy hookup isn't afraid to follow me into the fight, even if I have to go to battle on my knees. But then thirdly, a holy hookup will have my back to make sure that the enemies I put down don't get up to fight me again. God help me. Oh, oh God, oh God, I'm trying not to scream. God, a holy hookup will have my back to make sure. That the enemies I've put down, God help me, don't get up to fight me again. Check this out. At the end of verse 13, uh, we see something powerful because it tells us how Jonathan and his armor bearer won the battle. The Bible says that once they got to the battlefield, after crawling to the battlefield on their knees, uh, Jonathan would knock the enemies down. And once they were knocked down, Jonathan's armor bearer would take his spear from behind them and kill them. Because the armor bearer knew that even though his friend Jonathan had knocked the enemy down. As long as there was life in them, they could get up and fight him again. So the armor bearer decides not to be satisfied with what Jonathan has knocked down, but he takes them out so that what her, what Jonathan hurt today wouldn't be able to get up and hurt Jonathan tomorrow. God help me. The armor bearer kills the enemies. God help me. I hope you see it. So that what her, Jonathan knocked down today wouldn't get up and knock down Jonathan tomorrow. This is major because we often gravitate to people who are impressed by our momentary success. Uh, People who will celebrate the enemies that we knocked down today but they're not concerned enough about us to make sure that we kill the enemies that have left unchecked will rise up and kill us tomorrow. But God is sending you friends that love you and will celebrate when you knock down some enemies but because they love you love you, they're going to come behind you with the spear of accountability and make sure that the sin the issue, the attitude the devil that that the devil would use to kill you is dead for good. God help me. God is sending you friends that will call you on the phone and check on you and ask you hey is that pride dead? Is that attitude dead? Is that ungodly sexual relationship dead? I know you knocked it down but if it's still kicking it's still got enough life to kill you so let's kill it in prayer right now you got some friends that are going to grab you by the hand and make sure that the devil you killed today can't get up and hurt you tomorrow. God is going to send you some friends, a holy hookup, that are going to come behind you, that are going to cover your blind spots, that aren't going to let you stay in the place where you've been. He's going to send you some friends that are going to help you. God, help me. Oh, Lord. Even even when you feel like you've won the victory. Here's the problem. Uh, The reason why the devil gets us is because we are arrogant and prideful enough to think the battle is over, oh God, once we knock an enemy down. Uh, Y'all know, if you know me, you know that my wife and I are boxing fans. The last great fight we watched, uh, uh, actually the rematch is on February 22nd, uh, but part one was Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Uh, Deontay Wilder uh, is a boxer, heavyweight champion known for his knockout power. Uh, he has one punch knockout power. As a matter of fact, people have said that he's the hardest heavyweight hitter since Mike Tyson. Uh, he, he can punch flat out. As a matter of fact, he knocked the guy out in the second round with a broken hand. He he punches so hard uh, that people fear his punch around the world. Tyson Fury, though, uh, is not known just for his boxing skill. Tyson Fury is famous uh, because he had just made a great comeback. God help me. Uh, you missed it. Uh, uh Tyson Fury uh, was famous not just because of his boxing ability, but he was famous because life had knocked him down and he had found a way to get back up. God help me. So Tyson Fury, the knockout, or Tyson Fury, the comeback kid, is fighting against Deontay Wilder, the knockout artist. God help me. And what happens is, uh, twice in the fight, but specifically in the last round of the fight, Deontay Wilder hits Tyson Fury clean with a right straight punch He's a right-handed fighter. The right straight is his hardest punch He hits Tyson Fury clean in the mouth with a right straight Tyson Fury falls to the ground like a dead man Deontay Wilder has seen this many times before so he doesn't even wait for the 10 count He turns around jumps on the side of the ring starts beating his chest like he's got the victory But then something happens that shocks everybody around the world it's like lightning struck uh, Tyson Fury's body and he pops up off the ground uh, like a zombie and says I'm back ready to fight again Deontay Wilder you could see God help me uh, the joy come out of his eyes you could see the surprise on his face because the thing that he knocked down had gotten up to fight him again and what should have been a victory God help me ended up being a draw because he was too arrogant to finish off an enemy when he had him down and God says he doesn't want you to be like Deontay Wilder, letting your enemy pop up on you like Tyson Fury. God says that when you get an enemy down, leave it down. Kill it dead. Make sure it never gets up again. When you come out of fornication, kill it. When you come out of lust, kill it. When you come out of adultery, kill it. When you come out of rebellion, kill it. When you come out of promiscuity, kill it. When you come out of being trifling, kill it. Don't Don't let it get up again, and if you can't kill it by yourself, This is the season where God is sending you people that will kill what you couldn't kill for yourself. God help me. I feel like having church now, but we can't do it like I want to do it, but nudge your neighbor. Don't touch them hard because if you touch them hard, they might tear up your robe, but just tap them real light and say neighbor, will you fight with me? God help me. Oh, will you kill what I knocked down? Do you have my back? God help me. Oh, God says this is the season where he's not going to fight? have you fighting huh, by yourself. Huh. As a matter of fact, God says, God I feel like preaching. Uh, God says that this is a tag team fight huh, where you got to have a partner huh, on your side. Huh. Oh y'all I promise i never do this but Mike come in and help me. I'm going to show y'all how God works this thing out. Huh. God says I'm sending you a partner huh, that will have your back huh, when you're going to battle. Huh. Come here Mike. Huh. When you say holly huh, they'll say Hallelujah. when you say thank you they'll say Jesus when you say God is they'll say everything when they say I'm going to praise them they'll say for all God says I'm sending you people uh, that are going to help you uh, and fight the devil with you can we try it uh, can y'all be my partners uh, when I say hallelujah you say hallelujah. when I say thank you uh, you say Jesus. when I say God is good you say and I say all the time, you say, now grab your neighbor by the hand and tell your neighbor, say, Name.